Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, my guest today is a London-based composer, multi-instrumentalist, sound artist and qualified sound therapist. One might say that they are a person on a constantly evolving, shifting journey, grounded in a deep and authentic commitment to sound. As a composer of instrumental music, they've released both solo and collaborative projects and have performed at venues including Tate Modern, Sadler's Wells Theatre, the Natural History Museum and the V&A, as well as at international festivals. As a sound therapist, they use their musicianship and oral skills in conjunction with experience gained from their massively intensive studies, research and immersive learning over the last few years to promote energetic and emotional shifts using a variety of instruments from large gongs to tuning forks to synthesizers. They also now pass on their learning through sound therapy practitioner training. There's a lot here to delve into. And um, as we've just been saying uh, before hitting record, I think there's a lot of synergy between us. And I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. So I'll now let them introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. And I'm really delighted to welcome them to the podcast. Thank you very much, Francesca. Um, very, very uh, honoured to be invited uh, to talk, to have this talking and um, yeah, to really share uh, ideas and, uh, and common grounds, uh, approaches. Um, um, you already said um, quite, already quite a lot. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm coming from um, as you as you mentioned, um, coming from a kind of a musical background, um, trained uh, as a musician, and uh, music as creation, as attitude, as a, a creative process was uh, the first, the primordial approach, and um, I would say maybe even with a punk attitude, uh, kind of experimental, and. Uh, and then um, slowly I started to really realize that I was seeking for something more than uh, than just the, the aesthetical uh, pleasure of, uh, of the composition. Um, but there was a sort of an element kind of almost as instantial uh, that I was seeking through music. And, uh, and then I discovered, I realized suddenly that uh, it was the therapeutic aspect 
and uh, healing aspect of music that I was seeking. Uh, or if you want something a bit slightly more profound or spiritual. And uh, and uh, for a, a series of events, I um, I I had, I had some injuries. So, for example, tendonitis. I always kind of mention when I talk about myself. So, injury made me close to to uh, sort of a, a fragile fragility and also a sort of a, a questioning. And uh, and through that tendonitis, I had to stop doing music and especially for example guitars for a while and uh and made me uh sort of a go into a search and reading uh, about how i could heal myself through sound and music and then i discover sort of sound therapy at that time and uh from there i the whole journey started to evolved and uh and um, it, it kind of bloom and um and from there, as you can imagine, lots of changes in through like personal aspect, personal life. But uh, the idea of music and sound as healing was already there. That's so, so beautiful when, yeah. that like that healing yourself then brought yeah. you to healing others through that. And I guess I you never really think of um, musicians as experiencing injury in that way. Um, I just think it's so profound as well that you having lost your an ability to create music in a particular way you immediately also reached out and embraced it from a different angle as a path to healing yeah yeah and i realized that for example the tendonitis that i developed uh, it was caused by lots of other means and uh, not necessarily by a technical fault of of my plane which basically now tendonitis has, has gone, has disappeared. But um, it was kind of linked, I was rooted in uh, behaviors and also my thinking and my distress level that I was experiencing and habits, lifestyle, all of that. And uh, so through sound, I enabled a sort of a, a change in, into myself and having like a, a clear the picture. I, and I cleared the mirror. <laughs> I was reflecting into it, and from there, actually, lots of other things happened, and uh, and eventually, I have healed. Uh, and uh, well, I still play guitar. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, I guess an ending. But yeah, that's uh, uh, that's that's what happened. Um, I had some experience before that uh, with uh, autistic children. And I was working uh, in a school, in a primary school at that time. I was trying to split my my day in two. So this I had this job. I was finished finishing about half past three in the morning, uh, in the afternoon. So I had all all the afternoon and the evening to to do music, to be in rehearsal. And uh, but during that time, I had this kind of uh, intuition with the head of the department uh, at that time in the school to try to make and to do sort of a music laboratories and workshop with uh, these children. And from that was actually the first uh, big experience in my life where I realized the power of music and sound with my own very own eyes. And uh, um, yeah, it was really uh, something that uh, I, w I would never forget, almost like a very 
profound experience. Some uh, children that were not vocal and were not engaging in any sort of communication, like severe, severe autism, they were instantly singing, uh, expressing their you know their 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 emotions through through sounds and uh, some of them even singing some words out of who knows where but actually producing sound that were even making a sort of a, a sense and uh, so it was absolutely um incredible experience yeah. Is that when you first sort of realized as well this this kind of idea of sound as communication? Yeah, yeah, and 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 especially pure sound. So not um, not just um, and not just songs or structured into conventional music, but uh, liberation through sound. So, for example, in this uh, workshop. Uh, I was tuning guitars in sort of an open tuning. So whatever you strum, you make sort of a, an harmonic kind of a, a drone. Um, so if you had few guitars and all they're all in harmony, but they make a sort of a drone, very, very powerful. Um, and then from there, you have a sort of a, of a playground for, <clears throat> for vocalizing, for singing, for harmonizing and each of of sound that anyone makes would be in uh, supported by this drone of of, uh, of wash of sound from the guitars which don't require any particular skills to play but just, just strumming any way you want so the, the guitar becomes a sort of a drum if you want or just a, a washboard to to make any 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 sort of sound in, based on intensity so there was uh, yeah uh, something that somehow I will implement also in, in, in the music I'm doing now, if you want, in the sound and the same approach. And I was thinking about punk attitude, experimental attitude, in a way they, we don't need, there is no need to know, to know music to enable to express yourself through sound. And it's interesting that you use the word playground there as well. And in conjunction as well with, with talking about children, do you think that we can learn a lot from children in, in terms of their openness to play? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think children, are, if I, all the time I want to compare myself, I try to compare a child just to try to, to learn. Uh, or try to not forget that openness, as you mentioned, that that that, uh, uh, that lack of um, self kind of judgment sometimes, and uh, the ability of uh, letting yourself go, and uh, you know, when, before probably six or seven years, or maybe around that age when there is a sort of a <clears throat> or the consciousness start to from from societies started to kind of the ego started to develop and the child is very free with no sense of uh, <clears throat> either fear or or, or shame or um, so it's uh, it's more <clears throat> it tends it tends to 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 express much much easier uh, both with colors, with uh, if you give a child most of the time uh, like a blank 
sheets uh, to draw, it would it would come up with something with abstract or just uh, engaging with colors. Most of the time, when you give it the same blank sheet with to a, a grown up person, it might struggle and it would think, oh, what can I do? Or maybe think if they're good or not at drawing or a painting, and they're blocked about thinking about the limitation or what they can do or they can not do it. Uh, when the child is much more freer and, and the approach is already to maybe just uh, 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 just maybe fill up the space with uh, any sort of color they can find, but it's still uh, honest and uh, and a very existential approach, if you want. I'm interested if you have any thoughts on kind of why people struggle so much with that letting go and kind of giving ourselves over to our bodies and actually kind of experiencing that sort of full-bodied uncontrollable joy as well because I think joy is 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 very much a kind of a vulnerable thing as well to be able to really feel deeply whether that be grief or sadness or or joy like all of these things you you have to allow yourself to to let go and that's something that I think we really struggle with and I don't know if you have any ideas around that and why that is the case mm -hmm. yeah uh, I, I really like your actually your Instagram name running with joy it's just uh, <laughs> that's actually yeah uh, uh, running with joy in fact actually I think it's it could be linked to this uh, aspect uh, it's the name uh, I think we somehow we comfortable the comfort zone uh, that we we might have it's uh, it's included the way we are with our kind of uh, limitation or at least our perception of of ourselves so we are comfortable with that this is how what we what we are and then the vision of our the world is a reflection of what we are so it's a reflection of, of our beliefs, of course, uh, beliefs about ourselves, our the society, the, the world as it is. Um, it's all a part, it's all a belief, basically, if you if you stand it somehow, it's a reality. Um, and um, about the difficulties of letting go, I find, I think, from my personal uh, understanding and uh, that we are afraid sometimes to open to possibilities and are afraid of uh, of of letting go of the the, the belief that uh, surrounding us uh, of our own uh, shapes of our own identity um, our own vision of the world that would be a, a death of the ego if you want uh, whenever you take off the mask or you take uh, your identity, you kill your the way you believe you are, then you have the, all the possibility in, the, in in this universe. But then, of course, there is the fail. There is a fear of failing again. There is a fear of uh, of putting yourself in a situation where you might not uh, comfortable, or at least they are more more scary that the actual discomfort of the moment of the blockages that you might live in but you are kind of becoming familiar 
I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying if it's like if I structure no, that it absolutely makes sense and it just puts me in mind of when you were describing your injury as well whether that was did you find that that was a kind of unlocking for you mm, in a yeah. way that there was that kind of death of of maybe your conceptions of what you were what your identity was as a musician oh. before and then that that failure in a way then opens new possibilities for you in a in a physical but then also a psychological manner as well yeah absolutely i um i i i was not completely a different person but at least uh, i was rooted in a different beliefs um i was uh cheering a sort of lifestyle and i was uh, maybe my references there were very very different persons from from what what I now probably admire or um, I kind of kind of observe as someone that could benefit could benefit could be beneficial for my for my life but before uh, yeah I was definitely there was there was a it was a different person in 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 this body mm. in this uh, there was a different uh at least at least a different I, I, different shape of the identity was shaped in a different way um and so you i came across as a series of death uh of egos that doesn't necessarily that i now i have other egos <laughs> Right, there is that. There is, but maybe the egos that I have now, I feel they're more life supporting for me, where before they're life defeating or more destructive. So maybe the element of destruction was much more um, present, and um, yeah. So there was that kind of uh, a kind of different. But we are always we're always in touch with with those kind of versions of ourselves before and I'm interested to but having gone very deep with things just to just to go back slightly were you always aware of sound and, and also kind of your connection to the spiritual was that always were those two things that have always been in your life or at what point did you realize um them becoming um something that was going to be at the center of your existence this is a nice a nice question because it, it brings me to to two moments uh the first time i actually three moments the first time i i discover sounds uh the experiences was one was uh you remember i don't know if you do but probably not but uh i'm not, not sure but uh, when I was a child, uh, maybe I was a bit uh, before you, but uh, uh, there was uh, there were like tape recorders. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I look about eighteen. I'm thirty three. I can okay. remember tape recorders. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. okay good. And uh, so, um, and I remember uh, my my father and my mother. They had this kind of tape recorder with a microphone. And then from there, I just, I, there was one of the first, uh, amazing, amazing experience with sound was really to record very loudly your voice through the microphone, really that you started to scream into the microphone and, uh, you distort, you distort the tape. Obviously at that time I didn't know the 
but you create this sort of a drone and and beautiful kind of uh, constant sound uh and then uh, a little a little later i remember this little keyboard that i i received and uh, i remember just pressing sort of a, the keys or the buttons to to create a chord and i was staying there for a very long time so i was spending the whole afternoon basically pressing down the same chord and just listening uh, to the sort of a, the effect or if you want just the sound that was just coming in and never ending it was like that constant blooming out and again another another experience was like i was uh my my uh i, I spent i spent quite a lot of time with my grandparents when i was a child and they they were religious so they were going to church and so they were bringing me into church as well uh when i was when i was when i was four or five uh, it wasn't something that I really liked particularly. I, 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 I found it actually quite dark, the whole experiences. And, but there was one aspect that I really loved when the, the priest was coming and there was uh, playing these bells inside. And that was like, I think, the magic moment when I sort of a, a sparkle and uh, some colors were kind of blooming into this uh, dark world. And, uh, um, this kind of also dark energy that I was feeling. I, I remember when I remember that uh, those particular moments, those what those bells, um, yeah. The, so I think this those experiences were the first really strong and uh, experience with sound. And then later on, as a teenager, um, I'll. Uh, you know, teenagers are kind of all the time like suffering for for any sort of a, any sort of problem, especially you know like heart related, and uh, and I remember just having this guitar and then uh, having this urge to to play because I was you know it was heartbroken, uh, and uh, and then from there I started to in a way to so discover how just knowing one or two chords i could uh, spend the whole afternoon after school to feel trying to feel a, a bit better and uh and just you know singing maybe a lyric or or even a couple of words in, into some chords uh so that was i think a, sp a spiritual aspect somehow if you want i, I never wanted to be um I never wanted to to do songs uh, like pop songs or or songs that would be in the in, in a hit on a chart, uh, but uh, for me music was always kind of strong. Even like uh, the music I was listening at the time, like that uh, grunge area. Um, uh, for me, there was something a bit more than. Uh, was kind of desperation, but uh, through desperation there was uh, the aim of uh, of a catharsis mm -hmm. through the, to the kind of ugliness of this intensity of sound and the lyrics. There was the kind of the, the hope uh, through music, and I don't know. Most of the time it didn't work. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
And resonance is uh, the main aspect of uh, sound healing. When we study sound healing, is uh, there, uh, it's a resonance in many levels of the being. And there is a sympathetic resonance. Uh, that's actually a very important aspect. And talking about resonance, one of the instruments that I've, uh, I've become to, to love and the most, apart from obviously the gongs, um, is the sitar. You can actually see it at the, at the back there. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, and that is basically built on on the principle of sympathetic resonance. Uh, so the the main strings are uh, when the main strings are plucked. Uh, the vibration of the main string uh, allows the uh, vibration of the sympathetic strings to uh, to activate, and uh, so the whole instrument becomes sort of alive, like an organism. It's so interesting that you just described it as that because I was literally just thinking, ah. Uh... <laughs> do you feel like the instruments are almost like people in a way I'm thinking also of kind of complementary sort of homeopathic medicine where you treat like with like um and this idea of kind of the instrument as as organism as life force that then connects with a human life force as well is that is that a description that that sort of fits your idea around connecting sound and healing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, absolutely, uh, we are instruments uh, for sure. We are made as instruments. Um, there is uh, lots of uh, um, elements that are basically resonating within us, uh, bones. For example, one of the most uh, resonant uh, uh, kind of materials. Uh, when when we speak, there is a, of course, there is all the cavity at the, of uh, um, of the chest, the throat, the skull, all the the cavity of the of the of the face here that shapes all the uh, harmonics, the vocal cords, of course. So there are m many, many, uh, many aspects. We are many instruments. We are like a percussive instrument. We are like a, a aero uh, kind of a, a wind instrument. Uh, we like gongs, uh, and uh, as well like string instruments. Um, so yeah definitely there is a sort of a, and, and you know you talked about you mentioned homeopathy that's for sure also in sound treatment we might find particular sounds or frequencies or uh, that uh, the body might need to kind of reintegrate into their system or sometimes uh, even sometimes we are our own uh, kind of um, um kind of doctors uh, if you think about we are in the mood to listen to certain music sometimes somehow we integrate as, as a kind of homeopathy we integrate a sort of a uh, uh, sort of certain sounds uh, and 
most of the time yeah, we know what we're doing uh sometimes don't but uh yeah there is a there is a sort of a uh, somehow we learn, we aim in there is a sort of attraction for certain sounds or frequencies naturally and sometimes there is a sort of intoxication at the same time you know some in some other in some other <clears throat> circumstances we kind of uh, we want to intoxicate ourselves with certain sound constantly and we just to stay in a certain place talking about identity before and talking about uh, fearing or fear of letting go i mean on the other on the other way uh, sometimes we'll um, we aiming to stay into certain frequencies and we want to stay there and i'm talking about for example when we identify with certain genre of music only and I want to just stay there and we, we won't listen to anything else. Actually, we are very judgmental towards different sounds, right? Uh, so this is also the other face of the, of the coin, as you say, right? Do you think we're too quick in general to kind of ascribe labels to different genres of music and then likewise to form preconceptions of kind of the identity of people who either play or listen to that genre of music too yeah yeah i i to be honest for me it's always very difficult to to think about labels as well i just find it very very difficult uh and uh and then yes of course there's all that uh, <clears throat> narrative behind that uh, the identification of what you like and the way what you are if you think about um, you know there is uh, you can uh, you know you, you can draw you can draw a sort of a personality of a person just by uh, just discovering what kind of music they're they're listening somehow most of the time which is faults somehow but you know this is a sort of a day uh, this kind of social uh, identity that uh, we 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 aim to uh to 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 dress as the same of, of clothing as well anyway um so it is uh that's why uh i find it in in pure abstract music that uh, kind of uh, uh kind of avoid any sort of uh uh, mainly any sort of identification of cultural imprints um, as, uh, because it somehow it's, uh, it's not you, you cannot identify it and there are not uh, shapes in the model uh, chords and there's there are no lyrics for example most of the time so they're not uh, uh, they're not words to to grip on and it's uh, sort of open to interpretation and and prone to uh, to stimulating state of consciousness and uh, a re direct response from the body as resonance is that what drew you to minimalism um mm. kind of as 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 a conceptual thing to study as well yes yes and minimalism for example uh, from uh, a, a music that uh, I really like and I used to like all the minimalists uh, from you know the old school minimalists from you know the 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 one I'm talking about from 
early Philip Glass and Steve Reich, uh, but also Arvo Part and uh, all the other composers, uh, Moondog, uh, and uh, but also they were actually somehow uh, finding their roots into another kind of minimalism, for example, from the gamelan music as Steve Reich or from the drumming of uh, the West Africa, uh, the same Steve Reich and uh, Indian music, Philip Glass or the ragas. So after discovering that minimalism, I kind of learned and uh, dipped into the minimalism of uh, classic, kind of classical music, for example, of India and uh, Southeast Asia, uh, which is, uh, has all the kind of attribute to be um, kind of infinite, so not, cannot really put it in any sort of a um, shape. Somehow it's built to be immortal and, and infinite. And always kind of also treading that line between being something and nothing between movement and stillness um there's that beautiful tension there and I think that that's very much present in your work as well and I guess kind of the principles of minimalism of a sort of aiming towards infinity but never you never reach it yeah <laughs> kind of thing and and that and as they say there's that there's that stillness within it no matter how vibrant the music is there's that that poise and holding of space that it does, which I think is through that vibration, that resonance beneath everything is, is the still. Um, do you feel like that's something that you aim for in the music that you produce? Yeah, yes. As you said, I mean, you said very, very, very beautifully. Uh, it's a, uh, I, I I exactly aim to find that space where uh, somehow you suspend there is a suspension of um of 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 judgment for a moment of of infinite and that infinite is created by sort of a repetition and uh, and a sort of micro micro changes or microtonal or even the a static moment of uh, of uh, if you if you if you want to put it in a way sort of a uh, kind of a, um, almost uh, going into a sort of macro uh, um, more a particle uh, aspect of 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 music, for example. Uh, the repetition of a chord or even like a, a sustained uh, uh, sound um, it could be sort of a uh, kind of and sort of a I don't know how to, to explain but I want to say it could be sort of a magnified mm. and uh, explored somehow so that uh, one element can become a sort of a, the container of uh, of an infinity of uh, of, of micro sounds that are contained into this uh, into this uh, into the initial chord or structure, and uh, yes, for me it's exactly that. It's uh, it's trying to discover um, 
a sort of a joy and uh, surprise into elements of uh, of unexpected um, uh, sound that might recall or uh, sometimes also the combination of uh, of different uh, harmonics or different resonances um, um, it really created a sort of a happy accident in uh, in in music where a new tonality comes up and uh, and uh, and and the, and the, the resonance uh, aspect of the of 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 the of the composition might uh, make you somehow suddenly uh, discover something about uh, about yourself or about uh, um, like any anything that uh, inspirational that can come up by by listening deeply which is another uh, which is another element I'll, uh, i'm uh, i'm really aiming to uh when i when i when i try to to do music is trying to um try to deep listen uh and to uh, really even little changes or little differences and that requires concentration and uh, and also a sort of a um, total commitment and a total freedom at the same time, a freedom from uh, from judgments and freedom from uh, expectations. So let completely go and then completely uh, become what you listen. It's so interesting. It's like creating your own ecosystem in a way yeah. that like it's a continuous feedback loop, isn't it? You're both creating the sound, but then listening to it. And then that's informing the next frequency. Yeah. Mm, I'm really interested there as well to make the link with um, new you've described some of your practices, sound yoga. And I think people often think of yoga in terms of physical movement and as you were speaking I was in put in mind of the fact that the practice of yoga um holds us in in a space um and through that we travel even though we're not physically moving to a destination we travel through that practice and in the same way what I'm hearing kind of with with sound therapy with listening to music um that you are sort of held within that vibration which then carries you on a journey and I was just wondering if you could explain that link between yoga and sound that you make yeah so um for example yoga um in terms of uh, yoga of, of sound, so um, even like if you want to call it nada yoga, uh, it's basically uh, um, well in specific nada yoga is specific sounds to re relate to asanas and and chakras. 
um, sometimes uh, when, especially when I work with some uh, yoga teachers, sometimes in some workshop, maybe we want to explore that and uh, uh, just take it from uh, kind of the traditional yoga, uh, Nada yoga. Uh, and, uh, and in terms of yoga or sounds, uh, kind of in a more broad approach, uh, I kind of refer more of uh, similar, similarly as uh, uh, we do yoga and there is a sort of a, a deep listening of, of the body when we do yoga, kind of we connect with uh, any sort of a, uh, micro movement and uh, response from uh, each of the tendons and the nervous system and also the alteration of the mind of the conscious mind as soon as you do yoga you you and and then you're trying to stay with your breath so you to enabling you know, like uh, a higher consciousness if you want and then and a higher uh, kind of connection with the body in the different different levels same in the in in in, in sound in deep listening at least you're trying to enable in that sort of a deep listening and concentration into into the sound element and so that you are allowing the body to feel the sound so from uh, from uh, from your skin from the nerve from the terminal of the nervous system that actually uh, terminates into skin um, to the receptor of the skin so you you learn to listen the sound uh, through also uh, just uh, your emotional body. So how uh, your emotional response through any sort of a, a kind of sonic stimulation you might have from the words, like that could be like a, a word, so or or just an abstract sound. Uh, loud, soft, um, aggressive, sweet. So any sort of a identification you might have and your response. And also uh, the other one is the deep listening. So the one that you are listening, uh, not just with your ears, but as I was mentioning, just with the whole body. And then even with your ears, there is a sort of a critical listening. So you almost... Uh, um, Imagine that you have this uh, uh, bionic or uh, um, capacity of uh, bionic ears. So you kind of enhance the capacity to capture uh, with more attention different details of the sound that most of the time we are not focused enough to, 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 to hear. So that's why and most of the time we we stop to the very basic and the superficial sound and the superficial judgment of something that we recognize or not or we like or not or is uh, uh sort of functional or not for for our ecosystem but the deep listening is actually analyzing deeply the sound in all the aspect and this is the yoga of sound and then allowing the sound to really grow and penetrate in you and uh, and really uh, kind of envelop inside out your persona 
you become that sound each of the time. So there's a there's a sort of a freedom in that. Of, um... mm, it puts me in mind of um, breath work as well, in terms of you, but you are not producing the breath. You are being moved by the breath in, in yeah. the same way as as sound as well. Yeah. Um, and I know there's there's so much um, in terms of research and also what's talked about in um, with breath work and kind of the power to activate the parasympathetic response in the body um, and inhibit cortisol. And how does sound work on on that basis? So um, so sound works in so for example onto the um, in, into the sort of a in the sound healing practice uh, sound work to the um, basically onto the level um, that would facilitate uh, sort of the brain to uh, naturally um, lower down their brain wave rate. Um, so basically the relaxation is induced uh, by um, uh, sort of that uh, quality of the entrainment that is produced by uh, the sound waves uh, so so that's and that's why we uh, we prefer to use certain frequencies or certain certain actually sonic uh, um, so signature sounds rather than others but um, uh, we uh, the aim is to really entrain the brain uh, firstly uh, to a lower rate so that so that this um, the brain lowers down the brain wave rate and so by that is kind of uh, uh, altered the consciousness is altered mm, as a consequence so basically through sound we want to almost achieve that sort of a um, well, we refer to alter state of consciousness, okay, uh, which is similar to a deep sleeping mode, uh, or as we I mean, often say, we say refer referred as a higher meditative state when the person is aware, but also um, in another in another place in another dimension so in that place there where he's uh, almost sleeping but not sleeping and then uh, and the reason because that is um, it has been proved um, scientifically and that in that uh, particular state there is a boost of uh, of the capacity of the body to heal itself so for the self-healing started to really kick in uh, into that into that into that state it's almost uh, the body and the mind goes into the sort of self-repair mode uh, which technically happened every time we go to sleep or we take in uh, like a nap right uh, there is that sort of a you know the body does what it does at its best at what is designed for but in that particular moment the quality of the repair is boosted so with sound therapy we want to basically maximize and achieve that uh, that momentum 
because uh, it's a sort of a controlled uh, uh, kind of time and we can uh, the therapist and uh, and the client together can uh, can issue particular particular blockages or particular um, um, particular elements that they need to work on. So there is also a component of uh, of the of the focus, the conscious focus of uh, of what to to heal and where to focus in terms of uh, of healing energy, and uh, and another aspect of that is that. Uh, um, when we enter into this kind of uh, deeper, higher states or alter state of consciousness, as soon as we come back, we have somehow uh, gone through a little micro suspension of the ego state and a sort of a, our own reality, and we come back in a sort of a refreshed. Um, it, it is also expressed as oceanic boundlessness a sort of a sort of openness to uh, to life if you want to uh, to elements and having a broader asp image and vision about ourselves and life somehow the mask is cracked if you want is kind of opened for a bit and um, and that is a very particular and beneficial momentum as soon as we are back to see ourselves in a through a polished mirror actually we referred about that and it's a sort of a mirror that is uh, slightly more enhanced so we are enabling to see ourselves with more clarity and imagine that uh, we are becoming the best friends or advi advisor for ourselves um, and then also there's another aspect of some therapy. So some therapy is also happen not just magically. So that there is a sort of this magic frequencies that uh, comes and uh, enter into the body, but there is also a sort of a re-elaboration and there is a sort of a, a reaffirmation of uh, and rebuild of the identity and the belief that we have about ourselves and uh, and that thanks to sound we are kind of supported into this uh into this work and also just that the idea that you've beautifully articulated there of that the healing is a conversation it's not passive although the recipient for want of a better word might look still there is activity in that rearranging that is going on a bit like the ocean surface can look very still and yet underneath there are these incredibly strong currents that are moving the molecules of water all around the planet um that's us on a cellular level as well yeah. isn't yeah. it yes yes exactly yeah and do you find that um i'd like you to if if you could kind of talk through what one might expect at one of your immersions yeah 
So, um, basically, yeah, they, they, the differences between, for example, this group immersions, they are, I think, they're beautiful uh, uh, kind of opportunities, if you want, uh, to explore deep listening and to explore that sort of, uh, um, and not to explore, but even to practice that uh, ability of letting go through sound. Um, if you think about it, um, not often we put ourselves uh, free to listen for more than probably two minutes a day, you know, just to stop and, and, and listen uh, deeply uh, with full commitment, without interruptions. Uh, and then this is the activity of actually um, uh, allowing yourself to have an hour of uh, of of different sounds and different uh, frequencies to have uh, to stimulate sometimes to activate sometimes to have the relaxation effect into the body uh, but to become aware and then that means to open to to sounds to practice that uh, ability of uh, of flexibility if you want of uh, to become receptor of sound and the ability to listen the body how the body respond how the mind respond and again the emotional body to mm. respond that's uh, that's the practice and um, when the, in the experience basically I'll uh, I all the time invite to to feel anything uh, to feel and to not to stop to observe the mind to to befriend of the mind uh, just to noticing all the all the the chatter and all that uh, all that kind of uh, narrative that might come up all the images I invite to explore sound in a creative way so uh, somehow the sounds can actually bring up lots of lots of uh, imaginary uh, that may come from a subconscious somewhere in the past or they might completely made up um, so allowing anything to to display to to bring up to to come up and uh, and uh, and especially the most important thing is not to identify to any of these, but to to be the real, the observer of whatever comes. So at a certain point, there is a sort of a, um, uh, the deep understanding because we know logically, but uh, there is a sort of that innate intuition that uh, we are not basically the body, we are not the mind, somehow we are there, there's a there's a spirit, there's an, an essence in us. And that's sometimes as is felt through sounds by just observing and and deep listening. So to expect in this uh, in this uh, immersion is to 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 learn or to to have the opportunity to um, to experience uh, in a different, different level, both uh, and the, the, 
and the levels could be the way you choose it could be um on a creative level or like even more deeper into more a spiritual level and uh to the whole uh, elements uh, that are part of your persona in the moment uh in the moment that you are there and uh and then uh, most of the time the more we observe, the more we listen, and the more those things are actually coming up to the surface, and they go. Uh, and the the more we give space, and and the more we are silent, and the more we are able to to listen and and to let those things uh, come out, almost like. Uh, <clears throat> kind of draining out as a sort of a, a sponge and uh, so the consequence of that is uh, more more clarity a sort of a lightness uh, or a more a youthful approach um, and uh, yes and most of the time it's um, it's a sort of a more uh, uh, personal, personal practice mm, to this aspect. Uh, the difference between this and uh, and the one to one treatment in one to one treatment, there is uh, there is an inquiry process. So we go into the specific. Of, uh, of an issue and how is that issue related to you and to your beliefs and uh, what is around that issue and uh, how is the issue is is, uh, is rooted especially into into the body feelings so the somatic aspect into somatic world and then through the session there is a sort of a digging and digging and digging until we reach a sort of a limiting belief which is the cause of all of, 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 of those that's that particular belief um i don't know if it's, it's if it's if it's clear but um yeah that's uh the difference is that yeah it's interesting linking that to the spiritual elements because I think those limiting beliefs we all have these mythologies that we that we tell ourselves that we build around ourselves um and it's a case sometimes of releasing those narratives and then finding finding a way to build new ones <laughs> that that better serve us um mm -hmm. as you touched on at the beginning of the conversation um and I'm interested as well because we spoke about it um, at the beginning <laughs> of our connection, um, how space itself also informs your practice. So basically, uh, I relate to the space. Um, most of the time, it's uh, basically sonically. Uh, for me, it's like entering into a space and observing how that space has a sonic identity. And... Um, 
so churches, for example, they are built to magnify somehow uh, certain sounds. They're being more echoing. Uh, uh, if you think about it, it's high ceilings and it, uh, very thick walls, they kind of uh, um, enhance a sort of a reverberation. It's just technically built around uh, the voice and uh, the uh, choirs just to, you know, just amplify the majesty of the, the, the omnipresence of uh, of of the word of God and so there is this kind of uh, element of of a sonic identity of the space that is uh, it kind of translates also into the way in, in, in the instrument sounds and the way you play as well and uh, and then related to that there is that a energy energetical identity of a space for example um, I started to like all the sort of uh, spaces that have uh, they have uh, any any spiritual practice um i think there is a sort of uh, energy that uh, re retains in within the world somehow um there is a way of saying that uh, uh um you know uh, somehow uh in, in in Italy, you say when you enter into into a room, when there's been a sort of a uh, an argument or something, you say I can cut the air of the of the room somehow because somehow you can feel that the air is so tense and so uh, kind of uh, uh, compressed somehow that you can cut it with a knife. Uh, and that is actually uh, explain it very well what what is going on into in terms of uh, energy into a space when there is a sort of a uh, expansive or spiritual love of uh, and a sort of a uh, kind of a, a driving energy or there's the other way around as a sort of a dark energy more compacting more compressing um, so I started to yes to appreciate it these these different places different energy and and I I believe that working in a energetically in a space that um, is is got this uh, transformative and uh, uh, and spiritual energy and might be also beneficial for uh, for the for the puja or for the practice that um, we want to uh, uh, we want to promote somehow. And uh, so, um, yeah, that is uh, is affecting a lot, uh, and uh, and as soon as the also uh, you enter in a space uh, like the old church or any other places, uh, uh, somehow there is this. Uh, you might perceive like it's the same as uh, when you enter in a in a temple regardless if what your beliefs are or even even if you are agnostic somehow you have this sort of a sense of reverence somehow because uh, even if you don't believe or anything you might feel or sense like your response into a certain space uh, so and uh, and I notice uh, sonically that um, uh, sound uh, uh, it's kind of a uh, enhance uh, 
into this space because uh, uh, the tendency is to uh, to become quieter in the mind, to to make yourself somehow um, more humble, and then when you're more humble, you're you're prone to listen, and when you listen, sounds are much more clearer and uh, and more present and uh, so louder, if you want. I mean, we're talking about louder, it's not about decibel, it's just about the intensity. Even like gongs, sometimes um, we refer that, we, we think that gongs are very loud, but they're not that loud, it's just more the intensity of uh, the way we listen with eyes closed and completely completely open uh, maybe just lying down on the floor makes that uh, intensity of sound much more uh, stronger that feeling of sort of being stripped bare in a way as well in those spaces you're kind of observing but also being observed it's a great leveler isn't it we've talked yeah. a lot about shedding identity and i think that those spaces that reverence sort of naturally uh, uh, permits that or sort of necessitates that in a way too and i know you you create these things for people you hold space for people um in these places through your work um and give a lot of energy how do you take care of your energy day to day um okay so i'll um the, the, i think the uh well that's the thing like it makes me think that uh i should I, sh I should do more uh i should <laughs> Should do, <laughs> it makes me think that I should do more sports. I should do more uh, physical activity. That's the first thing he came into my mind and said, oh, yes, I should do. So it's not a test. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. This is a very good. Um, but uh, the way I um, I tried to uh, really uh, take care of myself is uh, through sound. So, for example, I have practice of uh, um, some uh, some there are some meditation for me uh, sound meditation that i do it uh, sometimes it's with the synthesizers uh, sometimes it's with the sitar sometimes other with guitar gongs but i just keep it myself as a practice and that really uh, help me to really clear like go and uh, and become a sort of a explorer uh, for myself and uh, so what I like about those practices is there are no limitations uh, in terms of uh, of course sometimes I just practice for technical reasons so I just practice maybe some scales or some uh, uh, some technical aspect of a synthesizer but when I say uh, practice for myself I mean that I, I just give myself that time to explore and and to really allowing this instrument to become uh, a sort of tools for almost like a sail sails uh, for for the sailor um, to go somewhere, and I and I and I enjoying this this journey somehow. And sometimes I I, I really sort 
what I aim is to surprise myself or the place I, where I can go. And I say, oh, wow. And then I stop. And then that, so this is a process for me of uh, somehow the clear and going away somehow, sort of a journey. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, physical activity, sports, and I, I started to swim um, outside. Uh, that's really, I found it, uh, as soon as I can do it, I go even for uh, like a quick dip. Um, there's, um, I'm lucky because uh, close by there's a little water, kind of open water swimming. So that I found it really, really super beneficial, especially after big uh, kind of big sound journeys or gong bath, even like after the puja day morning after I just went and I had a nice swim out, out there. Um, and then trying to stretch, try to do yoga and noticing how the body wants to contract all the time. And, and this one, the older you get and um, and the kind of kind of tenser somehow you more like tend to shrink if you want. So I try to try to promote the opposite. And then of course sound wise we promote that kind of openness. So this kind of expansion, but also the body needs to. So I try to stretch and to do this kind of very simple. I do really simple yoga. But when I say simple, it's very simple. So very technically stretching, few asanas, not that uh not, not fancy at all. And uh, another practice I do, I do is constantly is a sort of a, a short uh, uh, kind of a pranayama, kind of a kriya, kriya pranayama uh, meditation. So yoga is just a, a set of breath that uh, they help me to somehow uh, very quickly clear whatever it's uh whatever it's going on and sort of a, a give me uh uh an instant instant benefit i i'm actually um i'm so i'm surprised how much i i'm, I'm learning uh every time every time i teach um it's never enough uh, knowledge uh or there's never um enough kind of truth somehow it just uh somehow is uh it's always discovering some more and some and sometimes actually forgetting something that you thought you knew and then and then maybe starting again with a new new approach at zero point, um, I was trying to to aim for that kind of fresh, the beginner's mind and a fresh zero kind of state. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to teach when I'm teaching, uh, trying to teach to not to believe in any dogmas and or or anything that is is not it's not you. And when I say not you, it's just you not know, saying like we don't have to, it's important to, to learn and to listen to others, to other experience, but also to interiorize it into, into your, into your truth, into your method, into your, 
into your reality and uh, and not especially in sound therapy uh, not taking things out of the boxes and onto books especially there's so much going on and so many um, so many things that said they've been said and they're, they're not really either they don't have any sort of a uh, proof or, or any any background or any any truths uh, behind it and some some of the statements that sometimes I read that are quite dangerous um, uh, so what I'm teaching is uh, in, in in the workshops is uh, the basic of uh, of um, of, of basic principle of sound and sound therapy the approach of uh, of uh, the therapeutic sound and how to uh, and and how to uh, basically um, uh, to practice uh, in a safe way uh, therapy is, is, uh, sound therapy and how to uh, induce altered states of consciousness effectively uh, with this instrument that we are using and especially how to use the powerful inquiry process so that you can explore and go in even deeper uh, with your client into this uh, sort of uh, uh, blockages and eventually into the limiting belief that they are shaping our uh, our visions and of ourselves and then of the world so technically how to uh, to, to to be there and uh, uh, for and to to to, uh, <clears throat> to sort of to hold hold the space if you want and what I really teach is not to direct and not to tell anybody what they are and what they feel and what the what blockages do they have and what so this is something that i really don't teach and then i this is something that doesn't relate to my practice uh and it is important to me to be as neutral as possible to be a complete listener for that person to come out and to tell their own their own truth their own belief and also to find their own medicine their own remedies their own alternative in the method that I'm using we are not uh, suggesting uh, anything to to the client for example to the person that is uh, coming to the treatment but it's the person that will come up with them for, for themselves with their change and this is very important because change comes from within is nobody could tell you what to do and what not to do so it would come from your truth from your reality and uh, another thing that um important that i do into this uh, courses is uh, i kind of throughout the course we'll uh, we experience and we train to uh, to deep listen from ourselves from ourselves to the external world and kind of we are exposed to a journey of listening and a sort of a practice that uh, uh, we'll do and then there are uh, there is a uh, the, in, the instrument will be introduced uh, uh, at, you know stage by stage 
So there is a sort of a process of a crescendo until we arrive to the gongs. And uh, and then sort of if you want to, so there's a sort of a sound journey in, in within within the course. And uh, it's all uh, um, mirrored by how we we respond and how uh, what's happened within us. Uh, so it's always a very self-reflective uh, process from the day one to to the, to, the, to the end. I think you sound like a wonderful teacher, <laughs> and I could I could listen to you all <laughs> evening. And I'm aware that we've. <laughs> massively run over and and I barely kind of scratched the surface with lots of your creative work as well we might have to do round two at some point um but if people do want to connect with um either learning from you or attending one of your immersions or your one-to-one work as well where's the best place to do that so okay so to connect with me and for this um, uh training actually I have to say that there's one starting in mark in October which is fully booked and uh, there is one starting in March which is half booked but is not out yet <laughs> <laughs> so the, re- the reason is that I only take 10 people so these courses are really really very intimate I, I, I really uh, follow each of the person and so there is a there is a individual journey but also as a group as well so there is a constant uh, kind of uh, referencing to each other and uh, there is a constant exchanging of treatments um the way they they, they works like actually we uh, there is um in the website there's all anything that is written um the kind of the program on um, the layout of the course and uh, to book uh, there's other to get in touch with an email and most of the time what I do with everybody is actually having a phone call so I'll, I, I'll, uh, I like to connect before uh, singularly to each of the person and uh, we'll uh, uh, yeah we'll uh, sign uh, we'll, we'll get that uh, signed in with uh, with a with an agreement with it uh, with a conversation and uh, and we we are good to we are good to go, basically. And next one is uh, in March, and they usually they are about four four or five months long, as course length. Then after there are case studies and all the stuff, so it might take a little bit longer. And then pure events are on your website as well. Yes, they? yeah. Which I will update uh, very very shortly. There's as a little little bit behind, but there are lots of uh, new. Uh, interesting uh kind of uh concerts and and uh yeah and stuff um that will that will come up i have one final question for you which is the one i ask all my guests what does joy mean to you ah okay nice um so joy for me it's uh um uh freedom uh so freedom it's uh is and to describe it is uh probably be uh yourself be completely self with no boundaries so allowing the uh, abundance of uh of life and your essence to uh 
uh, permeate the world and that completely uh, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, appreciation and uh, and uh, uh, sort of a um, omnipresence of uh, of of all life. Uh, be part of the self and the self is part of everything that's this kind of joy that's sort of a blissfulness uh, and maybe it's a hint of infinite who knows but uh, I think it's uh, that's what I refer as uh, kind of joy uh, liberation freedom and to feel um, and uh, yeah and uh, to be I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.